Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you recognize the dignity of others. I'll also be interviewing Colleen Adams and two of her graduates who are going to discuss their powerful inner city program, Empowered Youth USA. They'll also be reviewing their book, Hope in the Hood. This amazing book gives insights into the specifics of how they changed their community and created hope, self-respect, and dignity for all the people around them. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Once upon a time, there was a rich and powerful, intelligent king. But what was most noticeable about him was his arrogance. Such was his pride that he felt no one was a worthy rival with whom to share his favorite pastime, chess. So the king sent messages across the land stating that he would give a tenth of his fortune to whoever could prove to be worthy of playing against him. In return, if the king considered that the person to be unworthy, he would imprison them. Many risked their lives to challenge the proud king, rich or poor, illiterate or intelligent, but the king would always find them to be unworthy. They weren't good enough. They couldn't match his command of the game. As time passed, one reckless challenger after another was imprisoned. The king felt satisfied that there was no one in the whole land capable of taking him on. Years later, a poor beggar came to the palace intending to play against the king. People had tried to dissuade the beggar, trying to save him from a certain imprisonment, but it was no good. And he came before the king, who, seeing the beggar's ragged appearance, couldn't believe that it had even crossed his mind that he could be a worthy rival. What makes you think you deserve to play against someone like myself, slave? said the king irritated. That I forgive you for what you're about to do. Would you be capable of that? The beggar calmly answered. The king was stunned. He would never have expected anything like that. But the more he thought about it, the more the man's word made sense. If he were condemned to death, the beggar would be right, and he would have shown himself to be the better man due to his capacity to forgive. And if the beggar was not imprisoned, he would come away with both his life and a reputation for being a worthy adversary. Without having yet moved a piece, the king knew he had already lost the match. Being a human being gives you just as much dignity as your neighbor. Your value is determined by how you view yourself, your interaction with the world around you, and your self-respect. Recognizing your dignity. One of the amazing things about being a human being is we all deserve to be treated the same way. We all have the same rights and responsibilities to treat our neighbor the way we would like to be treated. As we know in the world, many people are given different opportunities and circumstances in which they're raised. Some people were raised in different environments and those environments, unfortunately, will often determine how each person views themselves or how the world will view them. How do you honor the people around you? In any situation, it's so important for us to realize our thoughts and perception about the people around us. If we find that we think we're better than or less than the other person, we're doing ourselves a disservice as well as the other person a disservice. When we recognize the blessings that we have in our life, it helps us be more appreciative of where we're at today. Some people, just based off of life itself, are given opportunities that other people are not given, but it doesn't mean that the other person is better or worse, it's just simply different. When we all have this universal dignity, It helps us interact with each other in a way that commands respect and honor for others. With this universal dignity, we then have to decide what our self-worth is. The amount of materialistic things you have, 
For example, money, cars, houses, whatever those things may be, does not determine your worth. Your worth is based off of how you perceive yourself, how you treat other people, and the value you place on your own life. Those external things are just simply things. Yes, the world may say those are wonderful things to have, but at the end of the day, those things don't bring you happiness. Those things don't bring you joy. Those things don't bring you peace. Your self-perception determines your value. And when you can honor your community and the people around you with the dignity they deserve, you create an environment where people can thrive. You create an environment where people are drawn to you, where people want to better themselves. But unfortunately, many people don't realize that their value is no different than the people they see on TV or the people they deem wealthy or who have a really high education. There's absolutely no difference between any of us. Today, I really want to encourage you to be mindful of how you interact with the people around you. Do you demonstrate honor and respect and dignity to your peers? Do you recognize your own value and your own worth? How do you demonstrate that? My guests today, Colleen Adams, and two of her wonderful graduates from her program are going to discuss how they bring value and dignity to their community. It's a really good testament of how people can change the world. You too can be a world changer. You too can honor the people around you. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Colleen Adams is an unlikely pioneer in the juvenile justice field. As a former fashion and publishing executive, Colleen's dream to help at-risk inner-city youth morphed into nonprofit Empowered Youth USA, which serves the most crime-ridden neighborhoods of Miami. Juvenile justice experts recognize the impressive success of Colleen's winning formula. Her inspirational true story, including insight and testimony from her youth served, is documented in the new book, Hope in the Hood. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much. We're so happy to be here. Well, thank you. Well, Colleen, you are joined by two outstanding young men that I would love you to also introduce to my listeners. Yes, indeed. I'm very, very honored to um, to introduce uh, your audience to Mr. Vernon uh, Clark, who's one of the uh, graduates of, of the Empowered Youth Program and also working in our job development program. Hello. How's it going, everyone? And also, uh, Damaris Dacius. Uh, we call him D. Dacius. How are you doing, everyone? Well, welcome. I'm so excited to get to talk to you three. You guys are doing such phenomenal things down in Miami. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about all the transformational work that is happening down there and excited for you to share that with my listeners today. Thank you. We're excited too. Wonderful. Well, Colleen, I wanted to ask you first off. So how did you go from being a publishing executive in 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 a former fashion, excuse me, a former fashion and publishing executive to all of a sudden working in inner city? How did that come about? Uh, well, I, I worked um, for many years, um, as you say, in fashion and publishing, and um, it was a, obviously a very exciting life, but um, I really, um, I probably, I mean, I think everything in the end goes back to our own personal history, and I think that that 
I think that guides us all um, into to more or less our destiny, hopefully. So at the end of the day, I, I sort of chose chose substance over style. Uh-huh. And I was going through a, a divorce, and I was in New York City, and I was working for Harper's Bazaar, and there were many things going on. And I just decided to reevaluate my life and to to redirect my life. Um, yeah. And so I went back to school to get my master's in social work, and my goal was to work in with gangs, actually, because oh, I, wow. I had done a lot of work in, I mean, I started uh, cause marketing for Harper's Bazaar, and I was always very involved in the community, and one of the communities I was drawn to in New York was an inner city community. I worked with kids in juvenile justice, and I also worked with in a drug rehab program. Then I had an opportunity to go to London uh, to work with the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. Oh, wow. I grabbed that because I thought that was an experience of a lifetime, it really was. It was a two-year sojourn uh, that mm-hmm. I, I made to London. It was life-altering, obviously, and left me really wanting to come back to the United States and uh, have an impact in a, a real, in a, in a really social, a real social impact, and make a difference in the world somehow. So I came back and I was looking for a job in nonprofit. I couldn't get one because all my, my resume was all in fashion publishing. Sure. Went back to work for Perry Ellis here in Miami, and while I was go- while I was working at Perry Ellis, I read an article in the Miami Herald about the kids and juvenile justice system. I contacted them, and I went over to do a career day. Took a whole bunch of folks from Perry Ellis over with me. Oh wow! And uh, unsuspecting, by the way. <laughs> Once I got there, and I really was introduced to the kids in the detention center, it was kind of like this warehouse of discarded kids. Once mm. I went in, I never really left. And you never looked back. <laughs> I never have. I've, I've never, I've never ever regretted that decision. You know, one of the things I really love about your story is through tragic and heartache and pain, once we take time to reflect and to have that introspection, I can guarantee you that something beautiful will come out of it if we look for it. You know, for you, through that time of difficulty in your life, I'm sure at that moment, you never would have thought that, and I'm going to, I'm going to, these are my words, not yours. You probably never would have thought that you'll find happiness and joy and purpose again. And all of a sudden, look at you now here on this show with these fantastic young men telling us about the amazing things that you were doing down in Empowered Youth USA. So this is, it's, I just wanted my listeners to hear that as well. If they're going through something that's incredibly difficult, there is hope on the other side. Well, I'd like to actually add one thing. I worked during my days at Harper's Bazaar. I did a lot of events all across the country, and I was working with a gentleman named Sam Keen. He wrote Fire in the Belly, and he worked uh, with Joseph Campbell at Harvard, and he was, uh, you know, he's kind of a modern-day philosopher. And I called him during this crisis moment, and i feeling very lost, and he told me to take the tombstone test. You decide what you want your legacy in life to be, and then you work backwards. Hmm. So it really repositioned me, because at that moment, as I said, they're reevaluating past and what I wanted my future to be, I realized that that if I died tomorrow, if um, what the thing I would most regret was not having done something to make a difference in the world. So I think that if, if, if people can really just really just crystallize, you know, what, why am I, mm-hmm. why am I here and what is my purpose? And then you can work toward that. Excellent. And I really hope my listeners listen to that and, and take that tombstone test themselves. Yes. Let's talk more about Empowered Youth USA. What is it that you specifically do there? Uh, Empowered Youth is a uh, diversion program through, for the Department of Juvenile Justice. Most of our kids are court ordered. Mm-hmm. Um, we receive them into the program through a plea. Usually it's a plea deal. Um, with either the juvenile or the criminal justice system, take them into our program as an alternative to sentencing. Vernon wants to be the one to jump in. Perfect. All right, Vernon, tell us a little bit more about it. All right, the program 
about the program. Well, actually, I started. I started going to the program when I was about sixteen years old. I went How the, old are you now? Um, twenty. Twenty years. Okay. So I went through the um juvenile process and I got called yeah. to the program. So as I started going to the program, like the first phase is the um life skill characteristics mm-hmm. part. And the phase phase two is the job development program where you work in the kitchen, working on your experience, like customer service, like learning new things, like how to cook a dish and stuff. Oh, that's great. And you move on to the food truck where you're in the real world, basically you're in the real world. Mm-hmm. Okay, then D, you want to add something to that? Yeah, phase one, like Vernon said, is character development, which is where we have open dialogue on Mondays and Wednesday night, where we have mentors and boys from the program sit around and just discuss day-to-day stuff and uh, troubles that we face day-to-day and how to overcome it and not succumbing back to the outside life. That's so important, yes. Yes, and then phase two, well, like Vernon was saying, is uh, the job development phase. Like we like to call it earn while you learn. It's like um, we get chef experience and like knife training and it's just something uh, like skills we could have so we could at least try to further ourselves in the work business so we could have something to offer the jobs. Oh, that's wonderful. So once, once people are discharged or released from that program, then obviously they'll have the tools that they need to find employment. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. That, that's absolutely amazing. Most of our, our, our students are court ordered, um, mm-hmm. but we also have um, a number of young men in our program who have friends and other folks uh, in their community who are so without opportunity and who, who really are wanting so badly to change, wanting so badly to grab on to something that can help them out of, the, of poverty. In my experience, there are really two drivers of juvenile crime. One, mm-hmm. poverty, and the second are single parent homes. So through the process of our program, we really work to address both of those voids. Through the mm-hmm. program, we have mentors and tutors, and we have a lot of folks who come in to, to help and assist our young men. So we try to create a family environment. One of the things I will always say to the young men who come into our program is that, look, I don't care what you've done in the past. It's really, really not relevant to this conversation at all. What I care about is what you're going to do from now on. Yeah. So, so I really, so we, we really try to work toward helping young men to understand their value, to get back some of their self-respect, mm-hmm. um, to be, and also dignity. Poverty strips people of their dignity. It's really devastating, actually, to to grow up in a situation where you're always on your back foot, you know, where you know where you never really have respect and all the things that that come with lack, you know. So so I think that that we really work to say, look, you are a valuable person. Yes, you have you gifts and you have you have things to offer the world. And so let's figure out what those are so we can we can give you those opportunities. And then the second phase is all about taking that young man who's 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 now redirected his focus in life to saying look you know i don't have to be a criminal i don't have to be i don't have to die on the street i can be somebody mm-hmm. you're given those choices that's for sure yes we have the food truck we have culinary class we have entrepreneurship class we have uh, you know bartending training we have a lot of different training mm-hmm. then then the then the boys get to have the opportunity to work on the food truck but we're also trying very hard to open our cafe um, and the re- I heard about that. That's amazing. Yes. Well, we have land in Wynwood, which is a, a new and uh, upcoming art district here in, in Miami. Like and and the um, the opportunity that, that that would offer would be 50 new 
training spots and job opportunities for inner city boys who simply do not have another way out. So, wow. you know, so that's, it's, it's really, um, that actually this book is all about raising awareness of who these young men really are mm-hmm. and, and, and then allowing people the opportunity to actually contribute to their success through supporting and supporting, because any proceeds from the book will go directly toward the cafe. I just wanted to add, like Miss Carlene was saying, a lot of the crime that that is committed with inner city youth like myself and at risk kids is because we're low on resources and stuff, and people mm-hmm. don't people don't really understand that, and they just like to judge without really knowing why. That's why, like she said, we have a book called Hope in the Hood, so you could better get understanding of the choices, the uh, complications, and problems we're faced with on a day-to-day basis. That's why it's really important for us to open up the cap so that it'd be more resources, I mean, resources for us and open up more jobs that we so badly need. I think that's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Let's actually talk more about the book, Hope in the Hood. So tell me, is it more of a, like a novel, like you'd read like in a story? Is it more facts? What, how would you kind of describe the book overall? It, it's, a, it's definitely a documentary um, because it, it's, it's really, it's really the, it's really the, the, the true story of, of, you know, real people's lives and their struggle. And, you know, in it's in the outcomes that, that, in other words, if you're born into poverty, and you and that that's that's where you have that's how you grow up, and that's what in that and you have to survive in that. And then I mean I often say to folks, you know, if you take someone from an affluent neighborhood and you drop ship them into any inner city neighborhood in the United States, then you know. And you ask that person to survive with nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I wonder how well they're going to do without doing something maybe they wouldn't do otherwise. So sure. it's a very, you know, it, if if your if your options and your choices are limited, if you're competing for so few resources, then you know you become um, you become desperate. Go ahead, every, go ahead. Say, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids, children don't have enough guidance inside their life, so. At the program, we have mentors, so they help them decide what they should do with their life skills and stuff like that, like go to school, finish college. Most people don't have that in their life. Like, they probably mm-hmm. lost their dad, or they probably lost their mom. A mentor of some sort, yes. Yeah. One of the great things I was reading as well is with this program, it's 87% of the youth who've completed the program do not reoffend, And so I think that's, the statistics are phenomenal. I mean, typically you don't, you don't hear those types of statistics. Um, for a little bit about me, I actually worked, when I first graduated uh, in my undergrad, I actually worked in a lot of juvenile detention centers. The centers were the last opportunity they had before they went off to actual adult jail, adult prison. It's wonderful for me to hear these statistics, to hear the amazing things you are doing. My goal when I was younger was to open up my own inner city uh, community center. So it didn't work out, but I get this wonderful opportunity to talk with you guys because my, my future turned out to be in a different way. But so this is, like I said, absolutely phenomenal that, that we're hearing such amazing things that Empowered Youth uh, USA is doing down in the Miami area. So let me ask Vernon and Dee, how have you found that your life has changed drastically from when you first started until now? When I first came to the program, I wasn't able to speak clearly. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't want to speak to anybody at all. I really didn't know what the um, program, how much opportunities the program can bring to, towards me. Like, sure. Rather working with the um, job development program and stuff like that. But it really like helped me with my life skills, go on a better path because I was going down the drain. Congratulations. That's wonderful. What about you, D? For me, I feel like the program has helped me uh, make a drastic change in my life because 
like Vernon said before when we first started when I when I first started the program, it's like I was going nowhere fast and didn't really see a future for myself. Then I got on the program, started setting up goals, trying to accomplish my goals, and then and just making a a, a plan for myself, telling myself I could have a better life. So I feel like the program really made me get um, more value or, or something for myself. That's awesome. Now, when you are around maybe some of your peers who have not gone to that uh, to this program, do you notice a difference as far as your outlook in life? Yeah, I try to bring as much as my peers on board with me as I can. But that's great. But just like, um, just like you can't, you can't like, you can't help who don't want to be helped. So you still gonna have mm-hmm. bad people. You still gonna, you still gotta have stay positive yourself. It's always temptation around you every day. So you gotta want it for yourself. So I just try to keep my head on straight and just avoid it if I can. Yes. And sometimes it's hard to avoid it, but you know, in our mind and our thoughts, that's where change starts. So regardless if people may be around it still, you know, with maybe some of their peers, as long as they hold true to what they believe and feel is right for themselves, then they will continue to go on that forward path. When we go to the program and we leave the program, we still like leave with the mindset that we was in the program with, like with the mentors and stuff taught us about. So when we leave that's inside, great. back inside the community, like the program is located in the heart of the city. So once you leave, it's still a lot going on out there. You can do, you can always mess up, but you got to be willing to change. That's what we talk about in the program. There are a lot of juvenile programs, and you know with from your own experience, there are a lot of juvenile programs that actually take young men out of, you know, and they take them away and they put them into a residential program for a period. Mm-hmm. And I think that those I think that those certainly can be very impactful. But one one thing that I find is you, they're always reinserted into their environment. Yes. We conduct our program inside the inner city specifically because we are we want to be that oasis in the middle of, of all this activity. We want to be that one place, that one safe space where people can come. They have a voice. They're respected. They have dignity. They are you know, they have uh, value. And we want them to come there and nourish that and then we, yes. then we can send them back out and they have to but it has to be internalized they have to be able to understand that they're they under have to really value themselves first because and there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in the inner city about respect and it's it's the one thing that you know respect is is it's like if you're on the Sahara Desert and there's no water, and all you think about is water. Well, I think in the inner city there is you know respect is don't step on my new sneakers or don't you know you do this mm-hmm. you know so respect is so distorted. That, but but I, what I really want these young men to understand is respect begins with you. Yes, once you respect yourself. Then. Program on sat on Saturdays we sometimes go out like on trips, so you know. Growing up in the hood, you you grew up in the hood. Like, you really don't go that much places. Like, you just stuck in one little square. Well, the program, like, it helps you, like, see that there's more opportunities out there in the world, like, to do and stuff like that. It opens up your eyes and expands your world. Yes. To that point, we also have tutoring during the school year. We have tutoring at University of Miami. And so many of our... Oh, neat. So many of our young men... Have, have you know have decided to go to college or decide to pursue college because we have all of these wonderful usually law students or all these students from the University of Miami and they are one-on-one tutoring and mentoring our young men so that they they begin to start to understand that you know I could I could I like this campus usually it's because all the girls are so cute but mm-hmm. I, I really <laughs> like this experience of college you know Mm-hmm. And it's their first exposure. And, you know, like one of the guys in our program, first 
young man in his uh, family to ever go to college started college yesterday. So. Wow, yeah, that, that's amazing. But you know, but there are so many. There are many others who have gone on to college. But you know, when I, I you know, if anyone goes on to study and goes to college and, and pursues their dreams, it's fabulous. You know, I don't care from where they may come. But when a young man who has been confronted day after day after day with the slippery slope of no no help, no backup, no support, no resources. When that person makes it to college, that is spectacular. So, That's phenomenal. You know, so, Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, so I so we're you know, we're we're the accomplishments of our young men are really um, really amplified and enunciated so much by the fact that they have to overcome so much to get this one. Yes. That's absolutely amazing. I want to thank you three for being a guest on my show today. It's been, I know it's been so inspirational for my listeners today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about your amazing program and the book that you've written, where would they find your information online? Um, we're at uh, www.empoweredyouthusa.org. Um, and, my, uh, my, and, and also we're on Facebook. Um, okay. And we can, um, and also the, the book is going to be, uh, we're going to have a launch for our book um, at Books and Books uh, in Coral Gables on June the 22nd. Um, we're going to have, it's going to be a conversation with the community and we're going to have a panel of our young men there addressing all the issues that confront our, our young people and all the uh, and all the struggles that they have and, and what they need, the support that we need from the community. So we're going to have a, a conversation about that uh, at, the, at the book signing. And so we, we uh, certainly invite anyone who's in Miami on the 22nd to, to join us for that event. And, um, you know, we just appreciate the opportunity to showcase the, the value. I, I just want to focus on that all the news about inner city youth is such bad news and i and it's not bad news i think that's i think there's total misrepresentation i think there's so much good news um these are these are very 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 good people who grow up in very 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 tough circumstances um but that does not define our kids and they can they can with help support resources and opportunity they can overcome that and we just want to shout that from the rooftops and we so appreciate the opportunity you've given us to do that thank you well thank you all so much thank you thanks thank you very much james thanks for having us I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.